Oh, we are doing t-shirts. It's the Beer Ivana Show, broadcast in Portland on X-Ray FM and available anywhere on your favorite X-ray. podcast service. With our mascot, the Maris Otter, we join oh, you. <laughs> the mascot. We join you from our respective homes. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Patrick. How are you doing? Uh, in Studio North. How, how Studio North up there? You know, all I have to do is look at Maris Otter and I get happy. You know, it's down here... Times. Down here in the – yeah, I know. The Maris Otter makes me happy every time I see it too. Look for it soon. In, uh, we'll have all kinds of swag. We'll That's sell, right. We'll sell like, you know, beer mats and T-shirts and hats and glasses. What else can we sell? Slippers, uh, <laughs> belt buckles. Come on. We'll, we're going to milk this thing for what it's worth. <laughs> I'm getting you – I'm definitely getting you a Maris Otter belt buckle. Oh, sweet. Like a, like a big like rodeo one. Yeah, know, exactly. Te- Texas-sized, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, tell us what you think of our Maris Otter. Um, today we'll be uh, talking again with the creator of Maris Otter, which we'll get into in a second. But I do want to say – I do want to ask you, like and you're up there in the far north. Yep. You up know, the southeast. I was, I was, I was remarking to my son yesterday when we were heading out in the car about five thirty, and there was still some daylight left. But I imagine in the far north up there, it's probably getting dark about three thirty or something still, right? Oh well, that's that's a good point. Yeah, we <laughs> we uh, it gets dark here a lot earlier. Uh, yeah, no, we're we're maybe two miles north of you, but um, uh, yeah, it's getting. Uh, I wouldn't say spring is on the way, but but it's definitely the, the days are getting shorter or longer. Think, yeah, for me, that's actually psychically a big thing. Like once you get past the winter solstice, then I don't know, everything, my whole mindset sort of changes. I, I In the fall, you sort of know the days are closing in. I don't know, you kind of have that hunker down mentality. And then, you know, it's 2021, lots of things have changed. The days are getting longer. There's just kind of a sense that the vaccines are coming. Sort of. Yeah. Sense. So it's a hope in the air, right? You, I think humans are built for change. We, we hate change, but yet we 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 rely on it. We can't we can't stay in the same stuck place forever. We got to you know you got to get up and get going. And uh, boy, I tell you, I think America, or the whole world, we're ready to get up and get going. Yeah, I have to say that as a northern hemisphere guy, <laughs> I get southern hemisphere work too. But that year I spent in Sao Paulo which is basically tropical. It's like right on the tropic of uh, what? Cancer? is Capricorn? Uh, which, <laughs> it's south, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Capricorn, I think. Capricorn, right? Okay. Uh, uh, having the day, the, the, the days basically start, at, uh, you know, daylight start at 6 a.m. and then and, and night come at 6 p.m. Right. Is disorienting. Like, it, never it never really changes, it right? It never really changes. Yeah. It gets a little warmer and it gets a little cooler uh, and not dramatically so on either way. Um, it gets rainier. That's the big difference. But yeah, it's 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 kind of weird and I didn't like it, <laughs> which I suppose is, pat- is conditioning, but uh, I like seasons. So yeah, I really like seasons so too. I, I, don't, I don't complain too much about these these winter months. I don't complain about them at all because I actually, my, my least favorite season is the summer. Uh, so yeah, the closer that we that's, get to the summer, the more I start to get anxious. That's weird and stupid. And you live in Oregon, where the summers are the best part. So, <clears throat> but we'll, we'll get into that. That'll be. <laughs> that's what many people believe uh, when they wrongly visit here in the summer and then decide to move here, uh, thinking that <laughs> that's our I know. weather. I know. <laughs> and they're all moving back by the spring. Yeah, get me out of here. <laughs> Actually, that's by the way that we joke about this, but it's so common that like a California person will move up here. They'll live, they usually make it for a couple of years. Right. And then they're gone. Yeah. So when people complain about Californians, I'm like, yeah, but the ones that stay, like they're the ones that sort of belong here. Like there's, so, there's a self-selection that goes on. Yeah. So it's okay. So you don't have to, you don't have to like worry about Californians too much. All right. Uh, you are Jeff Allworth. Um, you have written books and they've been published. And the name of those books include The Beer Bible, The Secrets of Master Brewers, and The Widmer Way. You are Patrick Emerson, a professor of economics at our Oregon State University, and you have also written a book, which I still haven't gotten, but um, don't sell yourself short, my friend. <laughs> well, you haven't gotten it because it doesn't exist in any physical realm. What is it? Intermediate macro, microeconomics? Intermediate microeconomics, I think, yeah, is what they yeah. decided to call it. Yeah. It's an open access, uh, free intermediate micro textbook. 
so um, you know, <laughs> all the economics professors that listen to this podcast can go and uh, and use that for their class should they desire. That you know, the big drawback. But someone actually uh, emailed me the other day and said, "Do you have all of the like bells and whistles that go with it?" So if you get a textbook from a big publisher, they'll have like a test bank, and they'll have like lecture notes, and they'll have powerpoints, and they'll have um, uh, other resources available to to use. I have a hunch you're going to say you cheaped out and didn't include and this. And I got, I got nothing, nothing of that, none of that, none of that at all. In fact, when I had, it was, it was originally a project that was going to be done for Pearson. And uh, I specifically negotiated, like, I'm not doing that stuff. You're going to find other people to do it, which is typically how they do it. But I just didn't want to get stuck having to, like, write problems, you know, and yeah, that's, lecture that's notes really, and PowerPoint. That's really, it's really clever. When you, when you do commercial books, um, sometimes the author is on the hook to do the index. Yes. And my, uh, my agent for the beer Bible said, we're not doing that. And thank God he did, because of course the index is infinitely long. It's a huge book. <laughs> that's, so. that's my story. I was an RA for, um, Koshik Basu, who's a economist at, at Cornell when I was there. And he also, he's been like the chief economist, sort of the chairman of the uh, economic advisors for the government of India, and he's also been the chief economist of the World Bank. But anyway, one of the first jobs he had me do was do the index to his uh, to one of his books. This is the dark ages of the, Before they had of the late nineties, uh, where where the uh, um, he had the page proof, so they were digital, but they were like in PDF form, and there was nothing searchable. In other words, I couldn't. I had to actually. Uh, yeah. I had to go through it page by page by page with a big yellow legal pad and write down the terms and where they occurred. Nice. Oh, it was the most, it was the worst. It was absolutely the worst. Huh. Very yeah. nice. Anyway, That's so what... I don't have any of the ancillary stuff, but for those of you who are really interested in, in doing it, I, I mentioned to the person who asked that it's pretty similar. I, I, I kind of modeled the structure um, on uh, on a book by Perloff. So you can use the ancillary materials of Perloff pretty successfully. Well, there you go. All, so all those, all, all those uh, econ profs are immediately uh, racing to the, the internet to get these. these yeah, and if you want resources. more, if you want more details, we'll uh, we'll talk about them in our other podcast, Economics Vana. Made simple, <laughs> e- Econ Vana, or something, <laughs> <laughs> where, where where Jeff's the host and I'm the I'm the star or something. I don't know how that works. We're right. co-stars. You are you the star? Of the show? Yeah, you're the star no, of the show. I'm no, like, no, no, I'm no, no, no. We're co-stars. I'm the the what was Johnny Carson's um sidekick Ed McMahon no. Ed McMahon yeah I'm the Ed McMahon to your Johnny Carson you can send letters to our mailbox and uh, mailbag and disabuse Patrick of that notion but we should probably <laughs> uh, all right yeah get, let's get so onto let's, the show here let's get back Which, to our it's going to be a good one yeah so if you like the Maris Otter we're going to continue our conversation with the creator of the Maris Otter. His name is Jordan Wilson. He's the guy behind Jordan Wilson Design. He's doing a bunch of uh, branding work for uh, craft breweries, among other uh, businesses. And uh, we talked about him. Uh, we talked to him last week about the process of branding, and we also ended up our conversation talking about how he came up with the Maris Otter. If you uh, surf over to our SoundCloud or Twitter pages, you'll be able to see now our cute little critter, our new logo, our new mascot, Maris the Otter. And by the way. I know. So is it Merit? I, I meant to ask this. Is it Maris Otter or Maris the Otter? Is it like Smokey Bear or Smokey the Bear? This is a Ooh, big challenge. That's like, yeah, that's, those are deep questions. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I've lain awake at night thinking Maris the Otter, Maris Otter, Maris I think the Otter. Maris I, think Otter. I think it's Maris the Otter. That's what well, I think. another mailbag item way in Maris Otter or Maris the Otter? Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so Jordan is a branding expert responsible for the incredible design and marketing at Old Town uh, Brewing, Brewery, Beer, Old Town something, brewing. brewing, Old Town Brewing. Thank you. As well as a redesign for 5440 and the branding of a new brewery for land. So we will get to our second of our special two-part show soon. But first, we have to bring you the new... For nearly a quarter century, Belgium has boasted six Trappist breweries. Sadly, that high water mark has receded to five. Ackle is the first of the six monasteries that no longer has a living community. Abbot Nathaniel Koninks of the West Mala Brewery reported this month. For the past four years, there have only been two brothers, uh, and the last one has now departed. 
the brewery will still make beer, but uh, because no brothers oversee the monastery, it will lose its status as an authentic Trappist product. Um, wow. So that news came out. Uh, so from six a month to ago. five. So is this is this like inevitable? Do you think? Uh, are we going to be done with Trappist brewing? I'm 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 really anxious about it. The I the first time I toured these breweries was in 2011, and I was shocked because these if you if you visit these uh, uh, I'm sorry monasteries they're mm-hmm. giant you know they're they're right. uh, these huge glorious buildings, um, and I would I would learn that you know there's 12 monks there and that's it and it, it would so it's blow really my the mind. monastic tradition it's the it's yeah. the monks that are dying off like nobody wants to be a monk anymore that's right and and these monasteries have other uh important activities that that go on uh mm-hmm. beyond um just housing the monks who who do their monkly thing but um so you know so there's a reason to continue to support them <laughs> but yeah thing. it's yeah it's uh it's kind of sad um and it is I think a little bit sad uh, this is uh, you know uh long ago we visited the sound the mount angel um, monastery. Yep. And we talked, I think in that podcast about the same trend, which is that there's very, very, there's fewer and fewer people who are, who are entering that life. Yeah. And, and it's whole it's, tradition might just go away. Within it's really, lifetimes. it's really happening a lot faster in Europe too. Um, yeah. if you visit any of the cathedrals, you'll see that, um, not only do they know, uh, you know, is it harder to get priests, uh, um, you know, not in, in big cities, but in, in other places, but also mm-hmm. the parishioners are gone. So you'll walk into some of these uh, cathedrals and see only tourists. Nobody's actually there right. uh, as a church member. So um, yeah, it, it, it is, it is what it is, but um, this is a huge part of Belgium's brewing heritage and yeah. uh, it, it, it will be a blow. A- Ackle is the most recent. It only dates back about 24 years, I think something like that. So it's, you know, it's not, it's not like losing Orval. Um, but if that happens, oh man, that's going to be a big blow. Right. So. And so what I'm, what I, uh, reading between the lines, Belgium has a nomenclature rule that you can't call it Trappist unless it's overseen, or is that a rule amongst self-enforced amongst the monasteries? It's a Trappist thing, not a Belgian okay. thing. And there are gotcha. other, uh, there's a, there's a German and a, uh, Dutch, uh, Trappist brewery that is, that is now part of this collective, but um, there there are several criteria, and and the reason uh, they have these criteria is because secular breweries were just stealing their their right. thunder and right. calling themselves Trappist, and yeah. you know coming up with lame links to somehow being like <laughs> there were Trappists here a thousand years ago, and so we're calling ourselves <laughs> Trappist. Pressing their brewmaster in a in a robe and a yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So they wanted to protect that, rightly so, and um, uh, so they they put all these kind of stringent rules there. Uh, and, and one of them is you got to have monks. So yeah. no monks, no no trappists. That's a shame. Yeah. All right, and another passage of sorts. Pabst has announced its plan to retire the Olympia brand after 125 years of production. Oh, pulling out for Olympia. This hurts from the Pacific Northwest. This is it this, really does. This like one cuts to the uh, bone. Other people are thinking, "Who cares, Olympia? Yeah, I don't even, I've never even heard of it." But Once, I knew, I knew you would uh, see this with sorrow the oh way that. Once a regional giant, the family sold the brewery to G. Heilemann in 1983 and went through a series of consolidations. In 2003, Pabst, by then the owner, shut down the brewery in Tumwater near Olympia, Washington. Yeah, it's just an institution in the Pacific Northwest, Olympia, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big deal, and and uh, you know uh, the '70s. It's it's a little bit hard to communicate to people who never grew up in in the Pacific Northwest in the '70s. But um, it was like the whole region was on acid, um, and it was it was it was expressed in beer ads. We had some of the trippiest <laughs> beer ads in in the world. They were super dada, and I don't know if you remember the uh, the Artesians, uh, yes. the Olympia Artesians, but that was some of the finest work in the in the genre. <laughs> yeah, you, you've highlighted them on your blog, but you can also find them on YouTube. Yeah, they are crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah it's funny because you know we get very sentimental about these like macro lagers that we don't drink, but right, we're a right. big part of our our growing up and and a big part of the sort of I don't know scenery, I suppose. They, they had uh, not to be too on message here, but they had fantastic brands, and we we relate to them still. 
Yeah, so that's interesting, right? Because they were not only fantastic brands, but they had a big impact because they were sort of, you know, there's only a few and they were widespread. You know, now in the craft world, there's lots of little, you know, lots of little brands and, and they're much more local and you, you, I think you tend to resonate with them much much uh, more strongly. But um, uh, but yeah, this was just sort of the background, like back in the day when, you know, these beer ads would be on TV and on billboards and you'd see them everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. I'm, I'm very sad to hear that, that Olympia is going to be gone. So that's what's left. I mean, not much. I, I, do they even brew Weinhardt's beer at all anymore? You know, I think they do. And I've wondered about that. I, I, I keep meaning to when I'm at the grocery store to see if I see any there. The only thing um, I ever I, see is their sodas. Their, yeah, their Henry yeah, Weinhardt's root beer or whatever. And that's then, what it shifted to, I think. Yeah. And then Rainier is still going, right? Somehow. Rainier, Rainier is as a brand still going. And in fact, the last time I had it, which has now been a little bit long ago, uh, it was actually quite an exceptional uh, lager. It was a little had a little toasty quality Ooh. and the was very clean and articulated. Um, <laughs> I, and had a lot had of, a, I don't think I've had a Rainier since college, but I had a lot of Rainiers in college. Yeah, it's much better beer than it was then. And I don't know who makes it um, or where they make it, but um, uh, last I had it, it was quite a good beer. So, yeah. All right. Figure. Well, we should probably uh, uh, hurry down to our, our, our uh, interview, our part two of our interview with Jordan Wilson of Jordan Wilson Designs. And so um, I don't really see much reason to... In- uh, do much more intro than to say, uh, here we go. <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, we should say that if you haven't heard uh, the previous podcast, go ahead and listen to that first. Um, it will lead into this one quite nicely and, and uh, make it a lot more clear uh, yeah. when we pick up the discussion for the second part. So give that a, a listen if you haven't. Otherwise, stay tuned. And here comes Jordan. Okay, and we'd like to welcome back. Well, we're still talking, but <laughs> in terms of <laughs> podcast, we'd like to welcome back Jordan Wilson from Jordan Wilson's Design. Uh, Jordan's been talking to us about uh, uh, branding in craft beer. So, welcome back, Jordan. Great to be here. <laughs> yes, yeah, great to have you. It's been such a long time since we've spoken. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are for part two. In uh, part two, Jeff, because uh, you never mentioned it last time, we we have beer to drink. Um, we, at, yeah, we do. That have uh, labels designed by uh, Jordan uh, Wilson yourself. So that's yeah. right. And and these include uh, some brands that you came to, uh, and one brand that you you uh, d- did a new design on. So that that actually might be a good place to start. I don't know. Um, do you want to, do you want to crack what, uh, you, you have, you have the old town, Patrick, is that right? Uh, I do. Um, and I was always talking about, um, uh, before sort of from economics point of view, we have these things we call experience goods. And so signaling through a label is uh, a really big deal for economists, whether it's real, really true in the real world, that's up for debate, I suppose. But, um, <laughs> these old town labels are, uh, I think fabulous um they're extremely elegant and they have a sort of a, a familiar a familial uh design relationship both both my cans these are cans and they have um uh i don't know what what you call this like a chevron um uh design element where you have the the v sort of uh, chevron that that um has the the old town brewing up top and then the actual beer below um with the different sort of colorway so um yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, to me, if this was signaling, this signals sort of quality and care. Uh, yeah, nice. Um, yeah, those are fun. I mean, uh, the sort of idea with those flagships when we were developing them, and, and they came from 500 mils, and and they translated mm-hmm. to the 16 ounces when that became popular, the yeah. you know popular packaging well. So we were lucky that that worked out, you know. But when we were kind of figuring those out for the those flagships, like. Adam really wanted to try to convey a sense of like strong heritage. And yes. so you start implementing these like notable shapes, like shields, banners, the Chevron, you know, which points to the style and, you know, creates these nice leading lines. Um, just as like, just to promote like some, you know, Old Town's got a rich history and that was part of it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we, it, Old Town's a tough uh, cookie because, you know, they have this a lot of strong heritage, this, this cool background story, mm-hmm. but also like, 
those guys are just like super silly (laughs) 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 and like you know trying to meld those together really comes like well the flagships kind of how's that and then with the seasonal stuff like that's where things just kind of get a little crazy and totally break the brand in, in every uh, uh, possible way, <laughs> but yeah, because these are sort of like button button down labels, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the um, but the 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 design elements for the brand itself, the Old Town Brewing and the Stag, um, work really well. I think it's um, very yeah. very very clean, very elegant. Yeah. Well, that Stag, man, it took it took <laughs> a long time to figure out how to make that shape work. Because, and if anyone unfamiliar, it's it's leaping deer. Um, but like it's not balanced. There's no center point. You know, you can't right. just like center it in something. And when you do packaging work, like you got it. You know, it, we struggled for a long time figuring out how that works. But simply putting it in a circle contained it. We you know put a fence around it. and It works much better. We can yeah. surround it with stuff. And yeah, it really makes it pop. Yeah. So let's. Why don't you talk about Old Town? Um, I'll encourage people to go to your website, Jordan Wilson Designs, because uh, you kind of walk through this a little bit there, and you, and you. You even, I think it's really cool. You have some sketches. You also have some earlier uh, design uh, examples, uh, things that you, as it was being developed. Um, so that's all great. What, so how did this process work? You, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking we've got this, uh, you know, nearly f- uh, 45 year old company uh, that makes pizza in Old Town, and now they have a brewery, and I got to do branding. So, what what did you? How did that whole process unfold for you? <laughs> yeah, again, you know, Old Town. It's like uh, we learned together. Like I learned how to <laughs> do this stuff when they were learning with me and, and figuring it out. Um, but the biggest hurdle is like trying to figure out how do you? You know, their mantra is like we take the beer seriously, not ourselves. But at the same time, like, mm. you know, this idea, we started with these flagships and we wanted that to sort of promote this idea of, of the legacy that they kind of have and, and this heritage feeling. But then, you know, we did this stuff before we started doing like a lot of the videos or before Joe was like really, Joe's their sales guy who is just, I mean, he's one of the most charming men I've ever met. And yeah, you had, you got, I mean, Adam <laughs> assembled a crazy murderer's row of talent out of nothing. <laughs> It's, because the brewer yeah. uh, uh, Adam is also, I'm sorry, um, Andrew. Andrew is also uh, extremely talented. So you have this incredibly engaging. Probably Joe's probably the most famous uh, or well-known sales beer salesman in, in Portland, maybe in Oregon. <laughs> I hundred uh, percent, <laughs> and I didn't really know the extent until a couple of years ago we were at GBF, and this was after maybe a year or two doing the videos, and like everybody knew who he was was absurd (laughs) like his ego is just so but he's also like the nicest guy ever so but totally yeah i didn't realize the impression like people in you know the east coast were like joe like (laughs) 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 and he's like he's just you know old town small operation joe is the sales guy there's no one else and there's andrew and one assistant brewer and adam the owner and like and me and so like you know we're it's small potatoes in terms of just I use scrappy like it's scrappy we put stuff together and and, and just kind of make it work um, so yeah so how did you how did you develop it um you you the I think it's I do hope people go there because you have these these four early examples and you know some lean into kind of old timey more old timey mm-hmm. uh some are much more minimal uh one, you know one is uh looks kind of like a classic beer design uh with you know a circle around the label it looks you know could could have been from 1950s beer label so yeah yeah how did you yeah you, oh, uh, <laughs> you, you, you're simultaneously <laughs> looking at design and branding and i guess uh figuring this out that's right yeah and, and you know again old town went through a number of iterations and, and i wasn't there when they first developed like this idea with the stag and utilizing that and what that looks like um, and so when I came around, it was kind of like this shift towards uh, what we wanted. And essentially, we established some goals. And, and the big one was like, we wanted to make sure that stag, wherever it lived, had just like better brand presence across the board. Like that mm-hmm. was going to be that sort of nucleus to things. And leaning into that, that just opens up more stuff. Like, okay, if, if the idea is to have the stag as the cohesive element, you know, we can kind of play with stuff. But developing that first series where it is more like, a little bit more like heritage, a little bit like I would say 
quality look, right? Like a lot of uh, metallic foil, gold, mm-hmm. uh, very like natural colors. Mm-hmm. At this point, we were really trying to figure out like, how do we come from, because previously the labels were like really cartoony. Right. And the biggest uh, pain point for Old Town was at this time was no one knew that they were a brewery. They kind of just like, oh, you're a pizza place that now does beer. And, right. you know, Adam really wanted to move into like a brewery that offers pizza and the downtown, though, obviously, like that remains uh, something very historic. But he wanted to kind of branch away because there's two locations and be known for the beer because he, you know, I mean, it was he had great brewers. They're making great beer and people just didn't know who was making it or, you know, Shanghai IPA like won a medal at that time, but it was kind of doing uh, the fat tire thing with New Belgium where it's like, that's its own thing. And no one knew it was kind of done by Old Town because it was just the branding was secondary. Right. <laughs> so yeah. we sent off like the campaign was really like, we need to figure out how to raise brand awareness uh, for the foreseeable future because he wanted, you know, uh, he wanted the consumer to actually understand that Old Town makes beer, uh, which ended up happening, you know, through way of this, but then we started learning like, oh, marketing and 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 making these videos, like that was sort of the successful route. Um, mm-hmm. And the labels changed a little bit there too, where the seasonals, we, we ended up just building campaigns around a concept and, and the beer would just tie into that and the label would tie into that and then it would come with a video. And so we went through, you know, a couple of years where unfortunately COVID happened, so we can't do as much, but like every release had a campaign behind it. Mm-hmm. And that was ended up being Old Town's model, which shifted away from this sort of flagship look. Uh, and they live in tandem, but they're definitely distinctly different. Right. Uh, for sure. Which, you know, is always risky. Uh, and I think if Old Town wasn't really just smaller, locally driven, I, you know, I might have veered away from that idea. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but the the packaging seasonal one-off route was, ended up you know, kind of getting their name out there and people started recognizing Old Town as a brewery, uh, which sort of just accomplished the goal in a different way. <laughs> right. By the way, I'm, uh, I've cracked open the, the Pilsner is what I have here. Oh, good call. Yeah. yeah. Lovely, lovely beer. GABF winning Pilsner. GABF yeah. winning Pilsner. Yeah. yeah. And it's <laughs> one World Beer Cup as well. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Great Pilsner. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Andrew is uh, – uh, he he's a logger man, and he used to work at um, uh, Sam Adams. And he uh, he and I see eye to eye on that. He he tolerates IPAs. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly right. And he does them very well. But, he does. <laughs> and th- those like that year, year and a half, where it was like strictly extreme, you know, novelty beers, which I think we're pulling away from now. But you know that that uh, that tested him a bit because you know he again he he, he loves just very classically well crafted loggers, uh, right and they, I mean, man, what, two years ago? Like, you couldn't put a lager out, especially in, like, a four-pack of 16-ounce cans. They just wouldn't move. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I think he's thriving now because we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel for him. So I think he's having a good time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we should talk a little bit about uh, the, the the way that other elements – so, you know, there's there's the brand – uh, but then there's also the entire marketing strategy uh, that accompanies the brand. And with Old Town, you did some really interesting work with video in particular. <laughs> uh, talk about what your vision was for that. Um, you know, uh, it, it was, if people haven't seen this, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it at, uh, at their social media sites. But you, you were actually producing <laughs> full, uh, like, full-on little mini movies uh and yeah <laughs> like with with narratives and actors and uh these weren't just you know people pouring beer into a glass these were these were like big productions so what what was the idea that behind all that i mean you know i wish i could say like there was some big plan and i had it all mapped out but like honestly if you look back and you can probably find them somewhere like the first videos that joe and i were doing were essentially just like we're rotating through peers every week Let's do this weekly beer tasting where you can kind of showcase these beers, introduce it. It'll be 30 seconds and we'll throw them up every week on social media. Mm-hmm. And those early ones are, they're terrible. They're so bad. <laughs> they're so embarrassed. Like there's no comfort level. We just don't know what we're doing. And you can kind of see things progress as we get more involved. And, and even like 
you know, we did a whole series, like the first kind of narrative series we did was just a weekly beer hunting where Joe, you know, takes on this David Attenborough person um, and he kind of finds beer in the wild. And even that first one is so different and so the production value is so different than like maybe the last one we did. Because uh, we just kind of figured stuff out. I became more comfortable using a camera and I started to figure out how lighting works. And Joe obviously just became super comfortable in front of the camera. Right. Um, and I think just each one, like if you watch him in kind of the succinct order, you can see the progression from like that first video of Joe and I just in Forest Park, not knowing what to do, no script, <laughs> making home video quality stuff with dumb ideas because it's fun to the last video you did was like a full on uh, soap opera. Like, like we rented gear and had extras and there was like a script. Uh, and so things just, we evolved with it. We've kind of figured things out as, as, as we move forward and they, you know, the ideas just got bigger. Right. <laughs> Well, it seems to have worked. So I, I, I don't know so much about the uh, sales numbers, but in terms of the impression of the brand, the brand uh, visibility, it really changed. You know, the, Portland is a brutal market because there yeah. are so many breweries here and trying to get any kind of attention, uh, it, it, it's very difficult. And there, there are a lot of very good breweries too. So that's the other thing. It's not like you can just make a bunch of good beer and then, you know, people will find you. And in that regard, it really worked. You know, people, Old Town went from one of these breweries, I think, that people thought of as uh, fine, you know, makes makes yeah. fine beer, but not really yeah. on anybody's radar to, you know, all of a sudden being put on top 10 lists, um, yeah. you know, getting a lot of critical respect. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much that cost to, to do in, in terms of money and, and, and man hours, but uh, it certainly raise the profile of the brewery. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if there was any sort of strategy behind the thinking was like, I knew Joe was the sales guy and he seemed to be great in front of the camera that ended up being great as well for like draft sales or like, you know, when, you know, it, it's contained. Sure. But like Portland old towns definitely started getting on the radar of a lot of people where we weren't before and we were doing collaborations and people wanted to, you know, put us on tap. And then sending Joe in as the guy who's selling the beer was like huge connection. And, and Joe <laughs> in and of itself, like he's a complete celebrity in Portland, whether he'll tell you or not, like everyone loves Joe. So that was a nice, like, you know, let's put the guy who's actually going to be in front of the consumer more than anyone. But, you know, it, it worked out super well that he was game for being in front of the camera and doing, you know, sometimes very, <laughs> very ridiculous things you know going swimming in a 20 degree ocean in a you know tuxedo or just you know good on him for going in all the way <laughs> right right yeah it it really it really worked um let's let's talk well, about your oh go ahead yeah, yeah i was gonna say one final thing about that is that one of the things that i was thinking about before we talk to you is how difficult it is to be in an industry where you're always introducing new beers. Um, you might mm. have sort of these flagship beers, but this is something that you have to sort of think about how to introduce these beers yet still maintain your old beers. And the sort of social media and the movies along with them is to me sort of a brilliant way to kind of introduce a new idea to a marketplace. And particularly when it's, you know, it might last for six months and then another new beer comes along. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to just rely on consumers happening across it in the, in the grocery store aisle, if, if you get my drift. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think you can so much anymore. Like, and, and packaging is definitely crucial. Don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. it is really about like people resonating with the brand and having a good marketing campaign is, it, it's very difficult. And I think, you know, for old town, like things just kind of aligned, you know, mm -hmm. like not everyone has a Joe or not everyone has an Adam who's like, great. Uh, you know, I'll fund you guys to go out and do some weird stuff and I'll approve whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, let's just make stuff that's fun and we enjoy doing it. Right. You know, that's a rarity. Like, or or, or also having, you know, I'm, I'm capable. I grew into this and I was passionate about learning stuff just, you know, on my own time at home. It, things just kind of worked out well. Yeah. And no one was also, at the time, like, no one was really capitalizing on video in, in small breweries, especially because it's really hard. You mm -hmm. have to either have a lot of capital and hire people or you kind of just get lucky and I don't know how to plan for 
the ladder. So right, and um, it takes time, and it also has to be authentic, which is the thing about the old town stuff you yeah. did. It's very authentic, right? Because they're actual people, and they do well in front of the camera, and you know, yeah, it's, it's a little it, bit of secret sauce there, I guess. Exactly, and and, and again, like they're going to put out a beer. Like things were conceptualized. Like the Hopicano was like, oh, it'll be you know, we built a whole campaign around one word. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, I think having the freedom to kind of like go there uh, was, I think, also critical because so much creativity. And, and when you look at like dealing with constant change in the industry, especially when you get into like the larger legacy breweries, like I think they're always stifled just by having too many ties in the soup. Like you, mm-hmm. you have to go through so many levels of approval. And by the time yeah. your, your finished product is just really watered down yeah. or just doesn't really speak or take a risk or like really have any voice it's just like this is feels like a commercial now and right. it loses everything yeah yeah i i that's that's a, a i think you can sometimes see the the faults of other branding approaches and 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 branding marketing and even product approaches uh, when you see a brewery that works and i'd like to use that as a transition to 5440 which is a is a is a rebrand that you did and i think uh it works because because it captures an, the essence of, of what the brewery was doing uh, in, a, in a holistic way that's pretty rare. It's pretty hard to pull off in beer. Um, and it, it, it goes across the entire uh, brand and it really captures this kind of uh, this quality, which because I know Bolt and have known Bolt for 15 years or something, um, I, I recognize instantly. I see this. And I'm like, that's definitely. There's a lot of bolt minister and what, what, what what, what's going on here. So you know that there's 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 a congruence between the actual identity of the brewery. Last week, um, you mentioned something uh, about uh, you know the, the 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 brewery is the or the the brand is the way that a brewery presents itself, but the customer has the final say. Yeah. And so it really, you know, it has to be authentic. And I, I, I feel like in 5440, you really nailed exactly what I, the consumer, already thought about this, this, this brewery. So talk about uh, the, the brewery and how you, how you did this whole redesign, which, which yeah. <laughs> you know, goes across the brewery. Yeah. I mean, you know, kicking off, you're right, where like a lot of it really kind of stems from Bolt's persona and, and he's just he's the gem of the pacific northwest in my opinion the guy is solid as a rock and he's so nice but he has an aesthetic and if you've ever been to the tap room like that is kind of where things sit it's like you got these live edge benches and like chairs that he picked up at like you know it feels like a, a sort of like a welcome warm cabin mm-hmm. uh sort of lodgy cabin but a little scrappy which i use that word in like the, the most endearing way because i'd love it um but when we looked at the rebrand at the time, and, and like I mentioned last week, like we, we tried to develop like, what are these immediate pain points that he had? And, you know, I, I think the biggest one is, you know, they never really worked on establishing their brand essence and their values and, and that compass that we mentioned, mm-hmm. that we talked about. And that was, I knew where I wanted to hit because again, I know like, and have both come from Old Town. We knew each other from then. I've known him for years. I kind of know him as a person. And I knew that his brand wasn't, it just wasn't translating, I think, enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is, you know, he's got a particular way. I think most brewers are like particular in some way. And, and, and you know, for him, it was, we sort of talked about, you know, we sat down in a meeting, I just had a notebook and we just talked. We had beers and we talked and he was talking about the industry and, you know, not even necessarily about his brand, just talking. And, and through that, you know, we kind of stumbled on like, what's the problem? Because again, a brand should, I think, I mean, what's the purpose? Why do you exist? And often it should be like, are you solving a problem? Is there something happening that shouldn't or should, you know, should be happening that isn't? And for Bolt at that time, you know, surrounded by a lot of your 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 big uh, cake, IP, uh, stouts or, or barley pops or whatever, like beer just became a little too crazy and a little too uh, serious um, was another part of it. Either like just, you know, your nose deep in it. Like, Bolt, he's not that kind of guy. He's the kind of guy who's like, I'm going to bring a 30-pack, I'm going to hang around a campfire and have a good time. And his philosophy was always uh, beer should be part of the conversation but not the conversation, mm-hmm. which that resonated with me a few ways. Like, finding out beer is too serious and, and that sort of beer should accompany you, but it shouldn't be the reason why you get together necessarily. I think he, you know, he's like, it should be around the bonfire. It should be at the barbecue. Um, 
and I sort of lived that way as well. And, and so for us, you know, we established this, this sort of problem, or at least in that time in the marketplace, like beer was just kind of too serious. And from there, we just developed this idea of like, we want to put the easy back in easy drinking. And that ended up being the vision. That's the mantra. That's the tagline. That's the reason that they exist. And that's the reason Bolt does what he does. And he believes, you know, in the kind of beer he puts out. That's um, right. And he is, that is the kind of beer too. He is not chasing, um, uh, smoothie sours or anything like that. He like Kolsch <laughs> yeah. is the beer that uh, he loves most of all. So that tells you a lot about Bolt. Yeah, he's like, if we could only do Kolsch in a short, like <laughs> I'll be the happiest brewer in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and but even with that, it's like I knew. Yeah, I think easy drinking can be defined by a lot of things, but for us, it was important. Like, it's not also just about like a light lager, right? We, it's sort of this mindset, right? This like feeling of being surrounded by friends and family. When you're in a state of ease, you're, it's uncomplicated and comfortable and it's really low pressure and it's fun. You can focus on the more important things. Again, the reason why you're camping around with your best friends or your family, the beer is there, you're in a state of ease. And so we like this idea of you're putting back the easy and easy drinking because it's just low pressure. Beer is meant to be enjoyed in a different way than he thought the market was heading. Um, and, you know, again, this is developing brand strategy, right? You know, through that, we're getting out our values, we're getting out our mission and our vision, you know, we're naming a tagline. And that, when we start digging into like, well, what does that look visually? How do we actually translate these ideas? For us, we found a lot of inspiration just in the past, which, yeah. you know, we looked at the, the, the sort of yesteryears of, of beer, where I think beer's role in the social system was just obviously different. Um, and... It was through that that we kind of developed the look and, and the templates and the style. And it, but there's so much there, you know, like the way that fonts look like, the way that color palettes worked because of limited printing methods or the way that beers was advertised or slogans were kind of everywhere. That was the big marketing ploy, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so we really leaned heavily into what that would look like and how that translates into the brand identity. Um, you know, and obviously like, there's also touchy stuff with that. Like, well, a lot of people kind of go the vintage route. Like, how do we maintain some point of differentiation? And also, if you lean so hard, if that's a source of inspiration, like we want to maintain, make sure the realities of like equality and systemic oppression, these things that happened were not ignored. So we didn't want to just fantasize about this either. We still mm -hmm. wanted to put the focus through both in 5440. But I do think having that vintage look just releases the sense of nostalgia in some way. Even if like I'm, you know, I'm in my thirties, I didn't live it, but it still feels like, you know, marketing's told me, you know, people just relax and beer was not like, it was a different way. It wasn't this major focus. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I'm looking at the, by the way, the year round, the, 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 the labels you did for the year round series and they're, yeah, they're marvelously sort of, uh, new old school, you know, <laughs> it, yeah. They look, yeah, they look like beers in the 1950s sort of, but with a modern touch, it's great. Yeah. And they well, really, they really capture the North, uh, Northwest heritage too, because you had this weird, uh, kind of design aesthetic that incorporated German techniques, you know, German, German mm -hmm. touchstones, because a, a lot of these were German companies, uh, were founded by Germans. Uh, but then also filtered through this kind of Western aesthetic. Uh, so you have these two kind of components. And, you know, you know, not that long ago, we had Lucky Lager and Olympia Beer and sure. Rainier and Blitz Weinhardt. And that aesthetic was the aesthetic of beer. So it recalls a time that, uh, you know, Northwesterners are going to recognize. Um, and, and with that comes a, a perception of what beer is, which does drive right back into that that kind of ethos you were talking about the easy drinking um so yeah. it really works well visually it, it it it's not a clever thing that looks cool but doesn't really relate to the brewery it really tells you something essential about the brewery yeah it kind of puts you in that mindset which again is, is sort of the job of the identity is like in the branding is, is it's got to translate these these ideas visually which can be difficult but Luckily, like when you do look to the past, it immediately just paints some sort of picture. It puts you in some sort of place. Um, and it's fun to like lean into the stuff. Like we use slogans for everything. We developed a bunch of different ones that are just, I mean, and then and, and we, we developed all these assets that we can use. Even the logo, like, well, we have a few different variations because if you look back then, like people were shifting around or, or uh, uh, 
everything was like very descriptive fonts or, or again, the color palettes, like we have a maintained color palette. Like we have ways to keep consistency, consistency while still having areas where you can pull apart. Cause you know, when we started doing the Colts, like I knew, I knew that was going to be something where Bolt, you know, if he ever could, like that's the flagship and that's like sort of the, 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 you know, the fat tire of 5440. So I knew right. immediately like, well, we have to make sure we have some distinction because if that's ever the case, I want to make sure we can pull the cold stuff out and live on its own. And case in point, you know, it's like he's making Coles glasses or merchandise. It's starting to, you know, people that have Coles on taps, like he wants it in that glass. So, you know, that there's, there's always discussion of like, how do you maintain like consistency and cohesion through the branding? And, and, and 54 is a really good example, I think, of finding things that still work together. Like those flagships that you mentioned, they look just as similar to the seasonals just because the template is so put in place, but mm. we have a lot of flexibility to play and, 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 you know, 5440 and bold, especially like the guy wants to play, you know, <laughs> like he's got a dunk tank in the back of the brewery. And like, he's just, you know, we wanted to make sure that we had room to sort of flex and, and, and bring in weird stuff or silly stuff that still works. Yeah. Um, with that brand. So I, I want to just circle back to one thing really quickly, which is we mentioned last week that 5440 is an obscure reference. And it's so obscure that I only know the basics, which is like the former Northern boundary of the Oregon territory or something like that, that was under in dispute with the Brits or something like that. Yeah. But you, as far as I can tell, you basically decided not to address that at all. Is that right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Because uh, <laughs> that would be like a paragraph on the <laughs> I don't even know how you would, it's like, it's so specific and it's just, it, it, it's, I don't know how you could just uh, uh, visually translate that unless you like, yeah. you lean into it so hard where you just have, don't, that's who you right. are. And then there's no other room for anything. So like, yeah, we, we just like, all right, we're going to keep the name. But even at the time, like, you know, it wasn't really part of like Bolt's story, you know, him and his partner kind of developed the idea. And I think a lot of it came from his partner at that time too. Oh, okay. Um, but so we kept the name, but it's definitely not part of like mm-hmm. the identity or the structuring of the company. People ask, he explains it. And then I think they probably have like the exact same question when he's done. I always do. <laughs> I've heard the story 20 times and I could not paraphrase. Right? Yeah, I know. It's not, it's not the easiest thing to explain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jeff, are we, should we pivot now to Foreland? Because I'm interested in the origin story there. Yeah, I was going to say, so that's a rebrand where you actually had the opportunity to bring a brand, uh, you know, a a brewery in coherence with its brand. And that's different from the Foreland, which is a new brewery in McMinnville, founded in part by Sean Burke, uh, the brewer there, who was, is a, we, we love Sean. He was originally, well, I don't know about originally, but um, he came into my consciousness when he was at uh, the Commons, which Mm. is the Mm -hmm. wonderful brewery that uh, went 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 away then he was at von ebert where he did exceptional work before mm-hmm. founding this brewery so in this case you and i just poured out uh i have i have your your latest work uh and it is well his work is called shape creation ipa and the label so this is a this is a brand from the start that you got to do yeah this label uh is is a really uh sleek kind of representational label so it's um you you've got actually a sil- a silver <laughs> label which looks like the silver can and it actually took me a second to realize that there was a label there and then there is um uh landscape elements kind of in uh just color color almost like color field uh or cutouts really um and the label at the top uh, of Foreland. So it, it communicates something quite different from 5440 for sure. So sure. what, um, what was the, pro- you know, you, now you get to, now you get to start uh, <laughs> from square one. So how did this project go? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's so fun. Uh, that came cause I was doing stuff with allegory and the other part of that ownership is David. And um, funny enough, Sean, saw my work from 5440 and liked it and wanted to reach out to the designer, which happened to be me who had a relationship with David already. So it worked out really well. Like that's some small town network beer industry for you. But <laughs> everybody, everybody in the beer industry knows everybody else. A hundred percent. But, you know, they came with an idea and a name and, and, 
again, you know, they're obviously very different just because those guys and, you know, specifically Sean uh, uh, have just, they have their own philosophies. They have things that they want to uh, uh, translate visually and they have stories and they want to convey this, this brewing ideals. And, and, you know, Sean it's himself is like a very outdoors guy. So is David too, but I know Sean is like, he's always out uh, uh, camping or, or taking wildlife photography, you know, walking the rivers and stuff, fishing. And we knew immediately that was going to be part of the, the overall idea. And we went through some, you know, again, I'm trying to take all this information. We had a bunch of conversations, you know, Zoom beers, because we did this during COVID over the year. Um, and we kind of settled on this idea where, like, we like the idea of, like, this land form, you know, like, we want to bring that into play. But so often, like, you see a lot of landscapes on beer labels in mm-hmm. general, and it's not okay, Pacific Northwest, like, I don't know, that's not ownable in my opinion. Like, it's done a lot here <laughs> and in the beer industry especially. So we wanted to try to find, like, a, a spin on that. And, and so as we developed this idea, I, I started thinking of, like, things in layers, and that became this, like, conceptualized hub for what we think about. And so they like the idea, you know, Sean's mantra is, like, it's about the journey, it's less about the destination. Okay, cool. Um but this idea of layers kind of works there. So it's like we define what that means. Because obviously for landscapes, I think foreground, mid, and background. So like, okay, there's something there we can play with because landscapes are built in layers. Mm-hmm. And then this idea of like, you know, things are built on the past, uh, you know, from past ex- experiences, refinement, focusing, like your 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 it's about like this journey and and each step is this layer into like, again, if you're summoning a mountain it's the journey that they liked, like this idea of like this, this getting out there and taking the journey. It's less about like the reward of it. And so like, I like that idea of like, that's kind of layered, right? You're taking these chapters, you're going on an adventure. A book is each chapter is like this layer. Um, and so, which is very complex. This, these aren't things that are necessarily going to be translated to the consumer, but this gives us parameters as we develop stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. It's be in layers, um, which immediately translate into the packaging system as well. Like, you mentioned Jeff, where it's it's sort of this more uh, uh, simple method of painting a landscape, um, and that kind of really drove home how we're going to build out the visual identities. Um, and flagships, like each one, is just a different scene, um, but they still fit very well. Like I'm still there's still a, a major template in place, so there's n- still cohesion. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can still live like uniquely on their own and we can bring in color palettes. And I, yeah, I'm never one to simply just want to, here's your label and you can change the color with each one and you're done. And I, there's obviously a time and place, but I think it's always better if you can still keep the same amount of cohesion on the shelf, but still have unique individual look in some form. And that was like part of the challenge we were coming up with, which ended up being like the simple idea of these these landscapes. Were you involved in the naming of the brewery itself? No. So that one initially was called Landform, mm-hmm. um, which we we built out all these like ideals and and, and a deck and, and designs for it, and uh, it ended up being taken by a winery, and so uh. we pivoted towards. <laughs> I mean, I threw out a bunch of names, but Sean is so good at coming up with names. I like mm. all his beer names that I think are really fun and cool. Um, but he came up, I think, with uh, the Foreland, which is what it is now, Foreland Beer. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and, and you know, they're a good example, too, of, of you know, Sean, he want, he has big visions. So, like, you know, before we even started doing packaging design, like, we talked about, well, how do you want things to work? And, like, what does the budget look like? You know, do you want to do something uh, custom for each one? Even if they, you know, resemble cohesion, it still requires me to to design a label, new label every time. Right, right. And he's like, well, we like the idea of that for flagships, right? And they can kind of live in that space. But he also, he knew he wanted to do a whole series of rotating lagers, as well as a whole series of rotating hoppy beers, mm-hmm. ale, ales, IPAs, you know? And so that brewery, there's a three-tier system in their packaging where all of their flagships look a certain way, which is the one you're drinking, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um and then they have rotating lagers, which also look a certain way that is different. Um, that one, if anyone sees, it's like the the horizontal script. Uh, right. is what's on those ones. And then the rotating IPAs and hoppy beers, which also look a different way. But they still all right. 
follow these same principles of layers. They're all showcasing this idea differently. Yeah, and interesting, you know, one one thing about branding is it communicates an, a, a sense of of the the brewery's approach and thinking and um, and what what kind of product you're going to find. So with uh, with 5440, for example, you get a sense of an, a, a kind of an old school lager brewery, like that kind of approach. Mm. Um, and with Foreland, what I'm just, you know, I, without knowing anything about the brewery, I would say there's this kind of uh, elegance to it, a sort of understated elegance, um, which they're communicating. You know, it's not, there's not a whole lot of uh, extraneous matter here. It's just mm-hmm. really simple and sleek. Um, which is, I think, captures the knowing the way that uh, Sean brews. I think it captures the way he brews really well. It does not capture his actual personality, which is pretty earthy and puckish, <laughs> uh, which is you know very different. So if you 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 know it's it it's definitely not. It doesn't look like Sean Burke, but it but it looks like Sean Burke's beer, which is kind of an interesting thing. And I, I assume you had to work your way through that too. Yeah, well, and, and that's a great point where it's like when you when you develop these brands, like it is important to try to capture stuff that, that the brewer or or the ideals of this, this the goals of the brand. But then you don't want to lean so far into it where it's like I don't want it to be just a reflection of Sean. And obviously, David's the counterpart who had just as much input and helped you know develop the the, the same thing as Sean. So, yeah, but you don't want it to just be like so personable that that it's hard for me to develop something from that or they become so attached to it. Like oftentimes clients have a hard time taking their personal preference out of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, but if you're developing the brand as its own entity birthed by like all these, you know, fundamental ideals from the people that are creating it, it still wants to live on its own. You still don't want it to be like Sean's face on a beer, Uh, but you want it to still capture like what he believes in about the beer. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of that, that, that figuring it out, uh, and, you know, he, he really, you know, comparing him and Bolt, like, I think they both have the same passion for beer, right? But, you know, Sean, he really digs into, like, that craftsmanship ideal behind the beer. Um, and he's, you know, he's much more like, just, I, I would say, patience the wrong word, but, like, there's something you can tell he enjoys going out into the forest and, 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 and you know, getting uh, uh, to experience, like, things outside of, of the day-to-day, which that's sort of this idea, too. It's like a more patient more calm but also sophisticated way to look at the branding um but again you know trying to tie in to philosophy versus the persona yeah yeah and to your point uh from the last podcast when we were talking about anchor we don't we don't know the brewery yet so we don't really have a way to evaluate it Um, yeah (laughs) yeah, so that's interesting you know with new breweries you just you know, it's like you meet somebody and you take the information in, but you, you're, you're not actually evaluating it the way you do with an established brewery. Um, but I can say that, uh, having tasted this beer, it is, uh, it, it, it's a, it, it's what I'm beginning to think of as a classic kind of new style of, of beer, which is, it's very juicy, but it's got a nice, uh, it's got a nice bitter backbone. And so it's sort of a fusion of the West coast and the hazy in terms of the juicy and the bitter, uh, in a, into a really balanced beer. Uh, and it's quite tasty. So, uh, nice. kudos yeah. yeah, for the, you know, for the first, first, first beer out of the gate that I've tasted, I'm, <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They got some fun stuff coming down the pipeline. So I definitely keep a lookout. So we we are running a little bit out of time, Patrick. You had a few questions, kind of uh, uh, economic, uh, global questions. Did you want to bounce those <laughs> off of? Jordan? Well, I think I think we have actually touched on a lot of that stuff in the micro, which is probably appropriate for this. Um, but yeah, I mean, mostly what I as an, as an economist, I think about like the business side and as a as a brewery, sort of thinking about brand and how do you communicate. And also how you continue to communicate a cohesive brand in a market that's constantly evolving and you're constantly introducing new products. And so we've sort mm-hmm. of touched on a lot of that. But that was sort of my overall thought was, you know, if I'm a if I'm starting a craft brewery, what do I want to think about when I'm thinking? And I think you've done a really good job uh, helping to sort of think through those those ideas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. I, I'd say one takeaway, you know, if there is one is is kind of, 
find your lane, find something to own and figure out the purpose. And I think from there, everything else kind of blossoms from that space. Yeah. 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 I think that's, I think that's right. Because even, you know, like I was just thinking about the, the old town uh, stuff you've done. I think 5440 is the same that you've got kind of the flagship beers and then you've got these one-offs that, that kind of go a little bit crazy with the labels, but there's still just, there's something about it, right. That, that, that ties it to this coherent theme. Um, and so I can kind of identify, oh yeah, that's still an old town beer, even when it's like a one-off and, yeah. um, yeah. So that's, that, I mean, that seems almost critical these days in this constantly, like s- such a rapidly changing marketplace. So like you, yeah. yeah. You, you want to be able to introduce new stuff and have, and keep it fresh and yet still sort of have people resonate with your, um, with your brand and brewery. So yeah. Kudos by the way, that I think, I think your stuff is beautiful. Really. Honestly. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah thank you. <laughs> and particularly our Maris Otter, by the way, <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> um, um, I can't wait to see that little guy on the uh, digital sphere. Yeah. yeah thanks, well, by the, so by the time this airs, it should, we should have uh, rolled it out and I hope we get a lot of positive feedback. When I showed it to my wife, Sally, uh, I kind of told her the, the, the background really quickly. And then I flashed her the, the otter and she started cooing uh, <laughs> in, in delight. So uh, that, that I think, I think we've got a winner here. The ultimate praise. I love it. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for spending so much time with us. I really appreciate it. It's great to talk to you. Oh, it's yes. tremendous. Yeah. Thank and, you and you are uh, you can be found at jordanwilsondesigns.com and your if if there's a lot of a lot of the material <laughs> there also your instagram uh, uh, feed has some project stuff that uh, as it's unfolding what what's the what's that site yeah instagram is probably unfortunately more up to date uh, but it is jordan w designs um, jordan w designs so check Jordan out, um, and you. I hope, hopefully, everybody is is more educated about this. So uh, look for other designers. There's a lot of great work being done. Beer is a wonderful template for this stuff. So it's fun to think about, um, and we all have big opinions. So we really appreciate your help, Jordan, in getting us up to speed on on what's going on. Oh, my pleasure. All right. Well, thank you, and uh, uh, we will we will look for your work uh, in the beer aisle. thanks guys cheers all right thanks again uh to uh, jordan wilson of jordan wilson designs uh it was great to talk to him and most importantly it was amazing of him to do pro bono our maris otter uh to come through our little Maris Otter contest or a little, or a little uh, appeal. I assumed we'd get some little hand-drawn thing on a napkin that we would end up posting as our, as our, uh, as our little mascot, but no, we have this amazing, amazing design. So we have this amazing design. And now we have these two wonderful, uh, uh, podcasts with Jordan unspooling all of what he does, which has always been a bit of a black box to me. And it's been incredibly helpful to hear, what a professional does to bring that brand to life and what, you know, even starting out with what a brand is. So it's, it's been great. I'm so glad that he pinged us and said, Hey, I'll do this. Yeah, absolutely. And as I mentioned last time, just the fact that he sort of, he could have came to this within the beer industry to begin with. Uh, he's just got this take that's very organic to me. That just seems very authentic. Um, unlike sort of, you know, a big corporate uh, a PR firm or a ad firm that is, just thinking, you know, how do we sell you more beer? So I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed Me that too. conversation. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we should get to the mailbag because we we skipped the mailbag last time. Uh, so Jeff, tell us what's Let, in the mailbag. Yeah. Well, let's do uh, a quickie that comes from well, Westchester, PA. Scott Delone, who I think is a, a previous caller, uh, writer, long long time listener uh, for multi-time caller uh and he was ref- he sent us a, a an email uh relating to our uh how to weather the covid storm with beer episode uh and he offered a few of his own choices and it's a it's a, it's a bit of a long email and so i'm just going to give the category and the beer that he suggests uh leading up to his big uh his big finale which i think is an excellent <laughs> choice uh, yeah, the first one is a uh, beer to walk your dog with, which I which I relate to. I have a dog. I go walk, go walking. It would be great to have a beer along. 
Yeah, and in Portland, I'm sure you can get away with that. So maybe you can in Westchester. Oh, absolutely. Too. In know. the summer, by the way, that that was kind of the thing in my neighborhood. We'd see people walking down the street with their dogs, and they'd have um, these little cocktail tumbler things in their hands. Nice to go cocktail tumblers. I'm like, yeah, you've got that's, this. Figured, you've got this figured out. <laughs> that's classy too. I, I thought classy. you were going to say they they were carrying around in brown bags full of uh, uh, fitties <laughs> or forties. Sorry, uh, no. All right. So, what is his what is his suggestion for doc, walking the dogs? Uh, Warwick Family Juicy Pills, uh, and the other is Locust Lane Farmhouse Pills. So, I don't know what either of those beers are. That is a good dog walking beer, by the way. It I, is I, true. I endorse that one hundred percent. I am skeptical of this thing called a juicy pills. My radar says no, but, um, <laughs> but I'll I'll was, leave my. I was ignoring that. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that aside for now. Uh, Beer to drink outside uh, by the fire during a socially distant event. Uh, absolutely. Also, uh, yeah, also very appropriate. I did that yeah. last weekend. Yep. Good category. So he suggests a uh, Belgian strong dark ale like Omegong uh, Three Philosophers or Trogue's Mad Elf. Oh, uh, so a kind of a go in the other direction. Yeah, after, those are good. Uh, by the way, I, I ended up having a um, Ninkazi Slayer, which was an old. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while, but it's a nice, good, hearty, wintry, alcoholy beer. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, home cooked meal. Uh, we've had that was one of our categories, and he has Levant. I'm not sure. Cloudy and cumbersome. Levant. L a v uh, l e v a n t e. And uh, tired hands. Hop hands. Uh, tired hands. Of course, the famous uh, brewery out there. That makes uh, well known for modern styles. Nice. And finally, uh, beer to celebrate the end of the pandemic. And yeah. this is, this is, uh, I think, a super classic choice that I regret I did not offer. Uh, <laughs> Unibrew's La Fin de Monde, of course. Uh, how perfect. That the is. end of the world, but it's really the beginning of a new world, which is spectacular. And that's a great beer too. So I'm with you. That's a great choice. Uh, you know, I don't believe I ever had that beer, by the way. It's which, I, which which should be to your shame because I count on you to introduce me to everything I need to know. Well, if it had been released more recently, I might have done so. But it's an old, it's a it's a classic at yeah. this point. So yeah, all right, look look for it. Okay, we better wrap this up because we're getting long. So a few words going out. Please subscribe on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to rate us. Five stars, please. That helps other listeners find the show. We'd love to hear from you, so please send your questions or comments to jeff at beervanablog.com or on Twitter at beervanapod. Jeff blogs at the Beervana blog, and he tweets at Beervana. And Patrick tweets at Beeronomics. All right. Uh, so um, I have my uh, Vienna beer that I will cheers with you. I have my uh, uh, my four my foreland. Uh, wait, your Vienna beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Uh, so cheers, Jeff. <laughs> I forgot where we were in the podcast you, world. You had, you had some quantum difficulties there. Sorry, uh, this, is this is the old town pre prohibition Logner lager, which they call the Pilsner. There you go. All, All right. right. Cheers, Patrick. All right. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's been drinking.